Hi everyone, and welcome back to the Hockey Journey Podcast, episode number 18, The Grace Sumwinkle Hockey Journey, presented to you by OnlineHockeyTraining.com. I'm your host, Coach Lance Pitlick. If you're new here, please make sure you subscribe so you won't miss out on any future episodes. Before we kick things off, if you want to learn more about me, my hockey experiences, what I know, and most importantly, how I've been helping hockey players get really good with a stick and puck, just head on over to OnlineHockeyTraining.com and gain instant access to my 10-part video series where I'll show you everything. Consider it my gift to you. My next guest continues to rack up accolades in the sport of hockey. Here's just a small sampling, but I'll put the link to her gopher page in the description as her list of accomplishments is significant. Just get ready to scroll down. Grace Zumwinkel, a Minnesota native who grew up in a western suburb of Minneapolis where she was a multi-sport student-athlete at Breck High School, where in addition to hockey, she also played tennis and golf, lettering five times in each sport. In 2017, she won Miss Hockey, awarded to the best female high school hockey player in the state of Minnesota, and also the 2017 USA Today High School Sports All-USA Girls Hockey Player of the Year. Played college hockey for her hometown Golden Gophers, where she led the team in scoring and also the WCHA that freshman campaign. Had many opportunities to represent her country, playing for Team USA, most recently capturing a silver medal at the 2022 Beijing Olympics. Again, this is only scratching the surface of what this individual has dreamed and achieved. Ladies and gentlemen, please help me in welcoming Grace Sumwinkle to the show. Hi, Gracie, and welcome to the Hockey Journey Podcast. Hi, how are you? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, we're both on the mend, though. Both of us uh, recently had surgery, so we're just kind of limping around now. As I like to say, just another day in paradise. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, congratulations on uh, your uh, experience at the Olympics. We're going to chat about that a little later, if you don't mind, but uh, I, I'm looking forward to, to hearing all about that. Sounds like a plan. Okay. Uh, so, to get this thing started, before we uh, get into a lot of your hockey accomplishments, I'd like to go back in time and tell everyone where you grew up, when did you get introduced to hockey and other sports you played. I guess give our listeners a peek into what it was like growing up Grace Sumwinkle. Yeah, so funny story of actually how I got started playing hockey. Um, I went to kindergarten one day, and my class crush at the time came to school with a flyer saying that he was going to play hockey, and I wanted to be just like him, so I took the flyer and brought it home to my parents. And um, my parents were a bit confused on where this interest in hockey came from, especially since (laughs) no one in my family um, had played hockey. But despite the lack of inexperience, they signed me up, and I was all set to go. My dad took me to the local sporting goods store and bought the $150 starter kit. And the night before the first practice, I sat crying in my bed, telling my parents I didn't want to go anymore, and that it was a mistake that they signed me up. Um, But despite that, my parents were like, you're going to go for the first time, and if you don't like it after that, we'll go from there. Um, So I showed up to the first day at Chaska Chanhassen, I think it was at the Chaska Community Center, and I was by far the worst one on the ice. Never had skated before, I think I stood in a 2x2 square for the entire time, 
Um, and the boys are just skating circles around me. But after the hour practice had ended, I got off the ice and I looked at my parents with this huge smile. And I was just like, gosh, I was the best one out there. Um, and my parents didn't want to shatter the confidence at a young age, but that's how I got started. And it's from there on out. Uh, sounds like a pretty typical childhood, but I, uh, I want to I want to imagine that it was a boy that got you uh, introduced to hockey, but you know, stranger things have happened. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, so you you kind of get involved a little bit uh, with hockey. Can you remember when you kind of had the ignition where you know you knew you had some game and uh, you wanted to see maybe how far you could take this? Yeah, I don't remember, like, a specific date or event that sticks out to me of, like, I could actually do something with hockey. Um, I think just over time, getting invited to different selects tournaments for my age, I was just, like, kept trying to find the next obstacle or next challenge to overcome. Think of it as a ladder. And I just, like, try to get to the next step and the next step. And eventually, it led me to where I am today. And, like, I guess taking the analogy of the ladder of the Olympics is obviously one of the steps at the top of the ladder. But, I mean, there's always more um, steps to take. And I think just as I continue to grow older, playing high school hockey at Breck, um, and just the presence of female coaches that played college hockey, I think that's what really inspired me to keep pursuing it. So did when you were a youth, did you end up playing uh, with the boys for a while growing up? The first few years was just with boys because that was the only thing that was really available at the time. But then as soon as I hit U10s, that's when I switched over to the girls. And did you find that you had a little bit of a competitive edge when you went back to the girls after playing with boys for a few years? I think I definitely like had a bit of an edge just from like the physicality and speed perspective. But I think the girls game has definitely came a long way. Um, since I started, and I think opportunities for girls at a younger age is more prevalent these days than it was when I first started. Yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy what what's available now to to get better at whatever craft you're doing. Uh, you know, as you, as you got older and you started to refine your process to get better at sports, what things were you doing outside of practices and games to improve? And let's Let's be more, you know, to stick with hockey on that one. Yeah, I think definitely for me, the biggest things I learned is, like, you can't just show up for the hour practice that you have three times a week. Um, so I think, especially working with Lance or Scott Bukestead or a few other, like, skills coaches that are more individual-focused has definitely um, helped me, especially since um, those little marginal advantages make a big difference in the long run. Did you did you spend a lot of time uh, playing pond hockey, outdoor hockey, as a youth growing up? I played some. I w- wouldn't really consider myself like one of those true rink rats that was always um, playing on the pond. I definitely enjoyed it, but I think I had was fortunate enough to be able to skate enough um, at the rinks. Um, so I was not a huge pond, but like I'll play once in a while. Uh, did you have a spot at home to goof around shooting pucks, do some stick handling stuff, puck tricks uh, growing up? Yeah, in my garage, uh, my dad set up one of those shooter, tutor, tarp kind of things. And I think 
Um, he's gotten a little frustrated with me and my sister, especially blowing through three of those and putting a dent in the drywall. But at the end of the day, um, my parents were letting us pursue what we wanted to and at the end of the day, working hard at it. Yeah, it is. You know, you talk about your sisters. Uh, you weren't, you're, you're the middle one. Uh, Anna's the oldest. Uh, I read, uh, I can't remember what book it was, but they were talking about the world's fastest sprinters and uh, just seeing if there were some commonalities. And what was interesting is that not one of the fastest sprinters were ever the firstborn. They were always, uh, you know, later in the uh, in the pack. So you're always chasing, you know. How how uh, did Anna play a role in that? I mean, being the older sister, you probably always wanted to beat her, her at whatever you were competing against. Yeah, I think being a middle child definitely has its pros and cons. But I think between both my sisters, it's just been a healthy balance of supporting each other, but also being competitive. I think whenever we play hockey or do shooting drills or if it's tennis and golf like we're always going to show up competitively so I think that's definitely shaped me into the competitive person I am today. Oh absolutely I see it in uh, every time I watch you play or uh, do a lesson here with you. So let's go back to high school you played uh, varsity hockey, tennis and golf uh, five years you lettered in each of those sports uh, do you think a few, there's a few questions in this one here. Do you think you were one of the last multi-sport athletes? Or is this common on the girls' side? Because on the boys' side, you don't see the multi-sport athlete very often anymore. Uh, it, it, you just don't. Uh, is, is that still pretty common on the girls' side? Um, I don't think it's as common as it used to be. I think going to Breck, I definitely had the opportunities to play two other varsity sports outside of hockey. Um, and depending on the school, not everyone has those same opportunities. But I think people are starting to specialize at one specific sport uh, early on. But I think looking back on my high school, playing three sports was definitely the best thing for me. And I learned so many life lessons through tennis and golf that I can apply to hockey from a mental perspective or a physical perspective um, that I think is definitely underrated at times. How did you balance that? I mean, that you just jumped from one sport to the other. I mean, I, I coached for 17 years, and at the end of the hockey season, I the last thing I wanted to do I was, is to jump into another sport that my kids were playing. Uh, man, that you have to be on all the time. How did you balance that? Well, definitely difficult. I think my parents probably spent more time driving than we actually did playing the sports. But I think at the end of the day, hockey was always my number one priority. So if it was going from tennis practice to hockey, um, I knew I always had to fulfill those obligations. But I think um, I thrive off being busy and being able to go from um, thing one to thing two. And so I think it just became normal for me. I didn't even think about it. Yeah, it is. Uh, it is the process, and I, you know, so many stories that I hear. You know, the ones that are more intrinsic, where it's 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 about the process, where you you set your whatever objective it is. If it's a two month, three month, if it's a year objective, uh, you reach it, and then you just set the next one and keep on going. That's that's kind of how you operate. 
Yeah, I would say definitely, especially with this residency starting, and then I think throughout college, I definitely learned um, to focus more on the process than the outcome, because at the end of the day, you can evaluate the process, and if you do that correctly, the outcome should be um, what it is, and you can't dwell on it, especially if you've done the right things leading up to that. Yeah, uh, so much of the preparation, preparing for opportunity. So over your career, you have... You've had many opportunities to represent your country playing for Team USA uh, in the Canada Series, the Women's World Championships, and most recently the 2022 Beijing Olympics. Back in 2015, I think what it all started uh, when you were selected for your first Team USA experience, were you thinking about the Olympics as a, maybe being a possibility down the road back then? Uh, it was definitely on the radar of mine, but kind of what I just mentioned, uh, the process was what really kept me going with it. I think just going from camp to camp or team to team really kept me focused. And like seeing those sites, yeah, is something I've always dreamed about. But like any person who sets goals, you can't have too lofty of goals and then like not thinking of the steps leading up to that. So I think just focusing on like what's my next opportunity to represent my countries was like my biggest emphasis. But like knowing I had this overarching dream of playing in the Olympics is always like something that kept me grounded and kept me going. Yeah, it's, you got to have those uh, long-term ones in there. Um, even if you don't know how you're going to achieve it. Um, so when you're talking about setting goals and uh, um, what do you, when you do that, is this, is this something that you physically write down into a journal post on a wall so you can see it every day? Uh, what what does that mean to you? I think goal setting is definitely unique in and of itself. Um, I've definitely tried different methods, but I think what's really stood out to me was writing down, name it a laundry list of things that I want to accomplish in a season, and I think then I'll just slowly tailor it and try to make two or three goals that really stick out to me, and I think those two or three embody the laundry list that I started with, and I think talking those through with people that you trust or other coaches because um, they can help you along the way is something that I found to be successful for me. Yeah. Well, again, it's process and it's uh, learning from others um, because the one thing, uh, especially nowadays, whatever you're chasing, uh, there's a good chance that someone has already gotten there before you and they're willing to share your story if you're willing to put the time in to try to, to find it. Uh, so yeah, mega learning we call it. Uh, you ended up going to the University of Minnesota. Where Were there some other colleges you were being courted by, and why did you end up uh, choosing the Golden Gophers, Grace? Oh, that's everyone's favorite question always. Um, yes, I did look at some other schools. I think it really came down to Minnesota and Wisconsin. Um, but before the college process really started to ramp up, uh, my older sister and I had started looking at some schools together to see if that was an option. But at the end of the day, we both were looking for what was best for us, and it would have been cool to experience college together. But uh, I ended up choosing the University of Minnesota, uh, partially due to the coaches. I think they really um, – talk about the whole experience, not just as a hockey player, but also as a person, which was super important to me. And then I knew a lot of people on the team, which was helpful right off the get-go. And then 
from an academic perspective, that's super important to me. And I was fortunate enough to go to the Carlson School where I majored in finance. So that was a added bonus. Yeah, you're a smarty pants too. We'll talk about that a little later. Uh, love that about it, Bocha. Um, if I could hire you, I would because my I, what I try to do is just surround myself with people that are a lot smarter than me. <laughs> uh, That's what you have to do sometimes. Oh, absolutely. So uh, when you transition to, to from high school to college, it seemed pretty seamless. I mean, you go in there and you lead the team in scoring, you lead the WCHA, but that's that's at the end of the year. Did uh, did the first two weekends was there a little bit of an adjustment period, uh, or it just started and you just rocked it right out of the get go? Yeah, it was definitely an adjustment. I think the first weekend or two, I was a deer in headlights, and I was like, oh wow, I'm actually here. Um, but I think, obviously, the upperclassmen on the team um, really made it a point of emphasis and made us all feel super comfortable, which I think um, for most people that I can attest to is like when you're feeling confident and having fun, you're playing your best hockey. So that's something I try to focus on and like just remembering where I was selected to be on the team for a reason and not trying to compare myself or be the player that I was and I think was what helped me at the end of the day. So, you know... You've had some. You had some great teams there. Uh, did you guys ever? Do you win a national championship there yet? No, we came second one year, but maybe next year. You got one more kick at the can. You got one more kick at the can. All right. Uh, let's let's talk about because uh, you're you're a point getter. Everyone knows that. How important is line chemistry? I mean, do you just need one other player that you got chemistry with on a line, or do you need two of them to really click? Um, from my experience, I think two definitely, like when you're the three working as a three-man unit, um, that's definitely the best case scenario, but I think the biggest thing I've learned from my line is, or the lines I've played with and that have been the most successful is when you get along off the ice and have that bond that you share together off the ice, it just makes playing with each other so much easier. You know how each other are, Things people don't take things too personally, and I think that's when everyone's at their best and can trust people at the end of the day. So when I, uh, when I played college hockey, uh, they, Minnesota just recruited uh, basically Minnesotans. I think out of the four years I played at Minnesota, uh, there was two players that weren't from Minnesota. One guy was from Alaska. The other one was from California. Um, and then when I turned pro, all of a sudden it's like the world is now in your locker room. Uh, did because I, you, I'm sure you had some other players from Minnesota. Was that was that uh, fun? Just getting to to did, you know getting to know some people from different parts of the U.S. or Canada. I don't know if you played with any Europeans along the way. Yeah, we did not have any Europeans, but I think we have two coming next year. But I think just, I mean, Minnesota, like you mentioned, has a lot of people from the state, which is super cool because you grow up competing and playing with them. But then also getting exposed. Um, to international players and people from outside of Minnesota, I think, makes your hockey bubble that much bigger. And when you go to other tournaments, you start to recognize more faces and it just makes the game that much smaller. Isn't that the truth? Yeah. Uh, I, I always enjoyed just, you know, hearing the stories of how they grew up because, uh, you know, 
there's some similarities, but it's completely different. Like over in Europe, they don't have garage spaces and, you know, uh, spaces in your basement where you can shoot pucks and stuff. Uh, it's completely different over there, but they definitely have the outdoor rinks. Uh, so let's transition here. Uh, over, over the years, you've consistently had an A or a C on your jersey uh, as one of the, the leaders on the team. What, what is your leadership style, and did you model it after someone? Um, I did not model it after someone, and I think it's definitely still a learning curve, and I try to get better at it every season, every opportunity I do have to be a leader. But I think um, I'm definitely a soft-spoken person. I'm not one to like really get into someone's face or yell for most people that know me. But I think it's definitely of a, like, not follow my lead per se, but it's almost like I'll put the work in and hopefully people will notice. And I'd say I'm less of a vocal person and more of an action-oriented. Um, but I think the vocal piece is super important, so... If you have a group of leaders, it's obviously the best if people can balance each other out. Yeah, that's there's definitely strength in numbers when it comes to that stuff, uh, and that's if you have someone. You know, a lot of times I'm, I'm sure that you were in a situation where you were an underclassman, maybe wearing an assistant captaincy, but you had someone that was above you that was able to passed down what they've learned uh, and shared some of those experiences just to kind of season you so you don't have to go through those moments right in the heat of it, you know what I mean, where you can kind of take the emotion out of it? Yeah, no, I think that's super spot on. So what what does this mean for you to uh, be able to play another season at Minnesota next year? I'm obviously super lucky and super excited for it. I think um, when... COVID first hit and the NCAA granted the extra year of eligibility. People were still trying to figure out what that meant for extra years of eligibility, but I think going away from the year made me really appreciate the culture and the team we had at Minnesota, and I think obviously super special to have a sister there, so it'll be fun to experience my last year with her. Absolutely. That's going to be really cool. So you recently accomplished something very few can say on the planet, and that's being an Olympian, uh, walk our listeners through the process that went into picking the team, uh, the training you did, the games you played leading up to the Olympics, uh, that tour, because uh, it, it was a little different because COVID affected that as well, didn't it? Yeah, so we had some camps and tournaments leading up to it. Definitely some of them got canceled with COVID, but we ultimately had a tryout, I think it was in June, early June, where they uh, picked 28 girls to go into residency with the national team. And um, basically those 28 girls um, showed up in beginning of October and we were training and practicing together, playing games. And then over the course of the few months leading up until when we were leaving um, in January, they had to cut five along the way to end up getting to the 23-man roster. Um, So definitely bittersweet uh but i think it was just a great opportunity for us to be able to train together and get to know each other on a more personal basis talk about uh the preparation you know before you left for beijing what was it like when when you got there you know was there any big adjustments and what did you experience once the games began 
So leading up to the games, it's actually really interesting, especially with COVID um, really increasing across Minnesota and the United States. Um, not trying to say the first goal, but it was to try to get everyone there safe and healthy. Um, just because if yeah. you had a positive case, you weren't able to go. And so we really hunkered down or were in a bubble almost before we were supposed to leave. Um, so that was kind of the first. And then you had all these COVID tests. So everyone was like, just test negative, test negative, test negative. Um, Cause it would be unfortunate if you were to test positive and weren't able to go. Um, right. But then once we got there and the COVID, I guess, cases kind of took a side, uh, I think just like remembering that, even though the nature of the Olympics was looking different than in years past, like we were still here to accomplish a goal and focus on the task at hand. So do you think that you guys were properly prepared going into there based on, you know, what, what you were able to, uh, to do? And that, that's keeping in mind that there were some cancellations that were, you know, affected maybe your preparation going into the games. Yeah, I think especially having those four or five months leading up to when we left, um, like training together and playing together, I think that definitely set us up to be the most successful as possible. It's not like we were just coming together for a weekend here and there. Um, so it was like you got to know your teammates and get to, got to know the coaches, which I think um, definitely promotes a positive experience and people are more comfortable heading into the Olympics. Um, and then we played Canada in the series of games. So I think definitely getting exposed to the talent that we were going to be facing in Beijing was um, super critical. So once the game started there, you know, you're, you're in your first Olympic hockey game. Uh, what was going through your, your mind? I mean, were you just so amped up or... Was it just like you were in a different world and you couldn't believe what was happening? I think the first game, I was like, after the first few shifts, I was like, oh, wow, I'm actually here. I think um, you, like, just get so used to, like, going to the day-to-day today that it's super easy to, like, lose train and thought of where you actually are. And so I think after the first few shifts, I was like, oh, like, just as much about it as playing hockey, it's also just enjoying the experience and being here is like you've dreamed and worked um like worked towards this goal and then once you're actually here, like to just enjoy it and take it all in. Yeah, yeah. Well I'm sure it was a once in a lifetime deal and uh you'll never forget it. A quick word from our sponsor, Sniper's Edge Hockey. Sniper's Edge Hockey is your one stop shop for your at home hockey training needs on and off the ice. Find the perfect start to your at-home training area with slick tiles, synthetic ice, or a rink liner. Or upgrade your home setup with one of our top quality training tools to help you work on soft hands, all of your deeks and dangles, perfect your one-timer, and improve the power and accuracy of your shot. Find it all online and in stock for immediate shipping at snipersedgehockey.com. So let me shift gears here. So... Hockey's an emotional game. I mean, you just went through uh, something that was very emotional, and, and it, it stung. And I'm curious, when when something doesn't go your way, maybe you don't win the gold medal. Maybe you don't get a point uh, after a tough loss. Uh, what What's your self-talk? What goes on between years? Because... Uh, 
you know, it, it's for so many players, it, it can be debilitating where it'll be days after the game and they're, they're still thinking about uh, something in the rearview mirror. Was that ever an issue for you? And as you got older, did it become easier to manage those thoughts? Yeah, that's a good question. I think um, definitely the people I've surrounded myself with and as I've gotten older, um, this is something that's became more of a strength for me than I would say a weakness. But I think I've learned, well, college hockey, it's a unique nature because you usually play the team twice. So after the first game, you have another opportunity less than 24 hours to play them again. And so I think the biggest things I've learned is if something doesn't go my way or we lose as a team, to give myself five to ten minutes to vent, if that's to a roommate, to a parent, to a coach, and then after those five to ten minutes, it's like just to let it go and focus on you have another opportunity the next night or whenever you play next. And so I think that's something to not sit and dwell on it too much. But then I think especially with video capabilities is like you can go back or I try to go back and watch and be like, okay, here's things that went well and here's things um, that didn't go well and like any coach says is like the video doesn't lie so I think that's been like a good checkpoint for me to see like was it actually as bad as I thought it was or is there positives to take away from it so was did you have uh, you know growing up where like where you would go in your room and have a pity party not for those five or ten minutes but it would be like all night or you've you've kind of been uh, operating this way where you give those a uh, few minutes to think about it, and then you park it, and you move on to the what's what's in front of you. I was never one to really sit and have a pity party. I think that's just not really who I am as a person. But oh come on, Grace! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I do get upset here and there, but okay, there we go. I'll admit that. But I think I just have learned like hockey. It's a game, and like it's important in my life, but it also doesn't consume my life so I think just like having it properly stored in in my life has kept it in check for me yeah that is that is true that uh you know it is one thing that we've chosen to make important in our life but it it is only one thing we have other things that we have to uh put equal time into and uh so I'm happy to hear that uh Let's go to this. You've had a lot of people over the years giving you tips or suggestions on how to be your best, both on and off the ice. What's the best advice you've gotten from someone? The best advice and one of my favorite quotes, I think I heard it at a USA hockey camp one time, was train like you're number two, play like you're number one. And like that's just something that's always stuck out to me. And it's something that... like when you're practicing like envisioning like you're chasing someone or there's someone ahead of you that you're trying to catch but then like when you get into a game like put that aside and not trying to use the word confidence loosely but um playing confident like playing like you're trying to get catched is something that's helped me so you talk about uh you know a little bit about preparation what what's kind of your uh game day routine from the time that uh, you wake up in the morning until you're walking out to 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 play the game, and let's just let's just say it's a it's a home game for you when you're playing for the Gophers. Um, so usually we have a pregame skate, and I like to go out and loosen up a little bit, and then usually we have a bit of downtime, and then 
Um, Are you a napper? Sometimes. Otherwise, I'll watch a good movie. But laying down, yes. And then um, we have pregame meal, and then I try to watch some film or some clips from a previous game before um, I leave for the rink, and then I got to get the Starbucks. Um, It's always my ritual, same drink. And then when I get to the rink, it's pretty much time to dial it in, and I'll do some visualization. But otherwise, once I get to the rink, I try not to think very much. So what what type of visualization are you doing? I mean, are you are you, are you visualizing blocking shots? <laughs> I wouldn't say that's one of my first things I'm visualizing. But <laughs> like if I like the night before, or I had a good opportunity to cut to the net, or getting good shots off, I think that's definitely where I spend my time visualizing. But especially as I've gotten older, just like that complete game has become more of a emphasis for me outside of the offensive zone. So just like visualizing a complete shift on the ice from offensive zone to defensive zone or whatever you call it. But I think just having um, little moments that I've like done in practice or just the repetition piece of it. So we know that you're going to be playing for the Gophers next season. Uh, after that, are you looking to turn pro? And I have to ask, do you have your eyes on uh, maybe another Olympics? Yeah, so women's hockey, the pro professional aspect of it, I think is just the next step for most people to take after college. So that's probably what I will do. But I do have my sights on 2026 in Italy. Oh, Italy, huh? Yeah. Might have to book my reservation now. <laughs> oh, she likes not a wine. bad, not a bad vacation. Yes, isn't that the truth? Uh, so. Uh, as you know, I get in front of a lot of uh, young ladies and over the course of the year doing uh, off-ice stick handling shooting. And these, these girls, are they have lofty goals and uh, they want what you've already achieved. What are some things that you can tell them to be focusing on uh, as they continue to climb this hockey ladder? So three things that stick out to me when it comes to this, I think... One is, I mean, it's very underrated, but, like, just be a good teammate. I think it goes without saying much, but people like to be around you when you're looking out for others, and it's not really related to the hockey piece of it, but um, I think that just speaks in and of itself. The second one was to, like I said, and I've had to learn over the years, just to be process-oriented instead of focusing on the outcome. I think if you think about the steps that you want to take, I think that's, what's been successful for me is not to try to get too ahead of it. And then at the end of the light, at the end of the day, lastly, to just have fun and enjoy it. I mean, it is a sport that you should have fun and enjoy doing. And I know I'm playing my best when I'm having fun and having a smile on my face. So I think as soon as it starts to become, feel like a job is maybe something to uh, take time and reevaluate while you're playing. Yeah, it's great messaging there. Uh, so true. Uh, so there's one thing that I know, if there's a person who's successful in hockey, there's a network of support, and in your case, in the form of a couple sisters and a mom and dad. Uh, the Zumwinkles, I've known you for a long time, you're in the 1% of genuinely great human beings, because uh, I've known you for over a decade. Tell me about uh, this close family dynamic you guys have 
and how important it was for all of you kids growing up chasing lofty goals. Yeah, so it's the funny. The first question we're always asked is, do you guys fight? And ironically, we really don't fight as sisters. I mean, like a little bicker here and there or when things get competitive. But I think um, as a family, we've definitely put up that like more supportive side and who's ever playing, we'll all try to be there and be supportive. And I think that just like goes to show what my parents have raised us and the dynamic we have here in our family. But I think um, obviously like when we're playing against each other, it's like, we like to be competitive, but give us 20 minutes after and we're the best of friends. You guys get uh, pretty competitive on the golf course and the tennis court? Yeah, we do. No one likes to lose, but someone <laughs> usually goes home upset. So, Do you think that's because both your parents were athletes too? Uh, your mom was a tennis player and your dad was a football player, I think? Yeah, that's correct. I think definitely that's where the competitive side in all of us comes out. Um, and especially when they're involved, they don't like to lose either. So then there's five people that are all competitive. Absolutely. So what, uh, you know, what's, what motivates you? I mean, there's, uh, you got your hockey training and stuff, but, uh, what else motivates you? What inspires you? I think outside of hockey, um, both my parents are very career driven. And I think just watching, um, them from a young age and seeing how much they sacrifice and how hard they work has definitely been inspiring to me and my sisters and we look up to them in so many ways and they've definitely set the tone for us um, growing up so I think just watching them from a career perspective has um, channeled me and if it's finance or a different career option is just to be the best at whatever I put my mind to. So you know you speak about your uh, what you're finishing up school with uh you operate at a high level, not not only on the ice but in the classroom as well. Uh, you'll be graduating. You have you haven't graduated yet, correct? I technically have graduated. It's it's hard to explain, but I technically have graduated. But... Okay, let's go, let's go with that. Okay, okay. You, you you technically have graduated with a finance major and with minors in business analytics and strategic management. How did you get interested in finance, and what is the dream job uh, in the future for you? So finance, most people might not know this, but I'm very numbers and very analytical. And so I think finance is the perfect balance between the business side of it and the numbers side of it. So I think that's where my interest in, like in growing up, my favorite class was math, which most people don't know. Um so that's kind of how the finance route came to take in place. But then the data analytics and strategic management, um, the strategic management piece came um, from my mom. She's works in consulting, so that's kind of up her alley. And then the data analytics definitely in the past five years has taken off, especially most companies are looking for coding or people with um, a background in data. So that's kind of where that other element came about. But I think I've had a little bit of experience with internships and private equity or investment banking, I think that's probably the next avenue I'll explore after hockey. So let me ask you this, being, you know, uh, a numbers gal uh, with, you know, a, a strong interest in analytics, they, analytics is huge in the NHL now. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Because there's some people that say, ah, 
they don't work. Uh, does that all make sense to you? And do you use that uh, for, for to track your your uh, progress as a player? I think it definitely, like the accessibility piece of it has definitely exploded in the past few years. But I think, as I like to say, the numbers don't lie. But at the end of the day is like if you quantify or view yourself based off numbers, there's more to the game than just those numerical values. So I think it's important to take those with a grain of salt, but at the end of the day to not consume you. Awesome. Uh, so... You you just had surgery. What's what's the uh, what's the rehab? What's the how long you out off the on the shelf for? Um, I mean it's fluid situation. I think ultimately it's four or five months recovery. But I think just taking it one day at a time has definitely been my mindset since going into it. Um, but st- started rehab and it's feeling pretty good. So I have no complaints on the surgery front. So that's four or five months before you're cleared to to play, but you can obviously in a couple months be starting to do some things and, you know, getting your body going again, I imagine. Yeah, um, I think hopefully in the next two or three months we'll be able to get back on the ice. Um, But definitely have been enjoying the walks these days, so trying to get the steps in somehow. Yeah, (laughs) isn't that the truth? So... Just real quick, since we have a little more time here, um, what once you're able to start uh, training, you know, back to normal in the summer, what what does a typical day look like for you uh, on a on a off season training day? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think usually I try to do a workout of some sort in the morning, so it's usually consists of lifting weights um, at the University of Minnesota. And then I'll either have one or two ice sessions um, on the day, or if it's only one, I'll have stick handling with Lance or shooting with Scott Bukestad. But try to do one or two things a day on the hockey front. And then usually in the afternoons, um, the past few summers I've had a remote internship um, or I've taken a class, so just something to – keep me busy and something else outside of hockey man you uh you just do not stop do you ever watch netflix and just veg out for once in a while (laughs) i mean i don't do it often but these past few weeks i really had to uh, take that word into full force yeah well you know it's okay to to take a little time off unfortunately you know when you have to have an injury and you have to have surgery uh, that forced time off, it's good the first little bit, but after a while you're just chomping at the bit and want to get back at it because when you're injured, man, you just feel like you're on an island of the misfit toys, don't you? Yeah, I mean, it's only been a week and a half, too, and I'm already starting to feel it. Yeah, so, well, I can't uh, congratulate you enough on what you've accomplished so far. Your journey is far from over. Uh, and I, I, I'm putting the link to, uh, your, your page with the University of Minnesota with everything that you've, uh, accomplished. Uh, there's so much that, uh, I didn't, I didn't talk about, uh, as far as, uh, your, your accolades and, uh, in the classroom and also, uh, volunteering and stuff like that. Uh, 
I just want to say thank you for for inspiring uh, hopefully the next generations of, of young ladies that uh, want to accomplish half of, of what you did because uh, it's it's significant grace congratulations on an unreal career and continued success thank you so much I really appreciate it yep and we'll uh, We'll have to do this again after you win gold at the next Olympics or a national championship next year for Minnesota. Yeah, that's the goal. So, got to get working at it. Good. Well, uh, I hope that everything goes well with your recovery. And uh, when you are ready to get back at it, let me know. And we can uh, get the sticks out and start training again. Sounds good. All right. Thanks for being on the show, Grace. And have a great day. Thank you. You too. Well, that concludes another episode of the Hockey Journey podcast. I know I enjoyed hearing Miss Zumwinkle's hockey journey, which is far from over. There were so many golden nuggets in the interview on how to set goals and work a proven process that increases the likelihood for success. If you're a young hockey hopeful looking for a mentor on how to become great both on the ice and in the classroom, you found the perfect person in Grace Zumwinkle. I can't thank you enough for stopping by and listening. I hope you enjoyed the interview, and if you think there's someone in your circle of family and friends that might enjoy this episode, please share it with just one person. It will really help me in growing this hockey community. Again, I appreciate you being here. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, or submit a review. I hope to see you back here soon, and do me a favor, make someone close to you smile today. All the best, my friends.